Hey, make good friends. Before we jump into today's episode, we have some exciting news for you. The Make Good Podcast is one of the sponsors of this year's Indie Untangled, and we have five tickets to give away to all of you. Well, not all of you, some of you. If you'll be in the Saugerties, New York area on October 15th, which is the day that Indie Untangled is taking place, you might be interested in this. To learn the details, head over to either our Instagram account and click on the Indie Untangled post and follow the link in bio. Or you can go directly to our website, makegoodpod.com, and check out the blog post about it. Maybe you'll win. Hi, and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And today, we are starting with a letter. Yay! <laughs> so this letter comes to us from Maxine. Hi, Maxine. And she writes... Could you do a show on using cotton? The good, the bad, the delightful, all cotton must not be created equal, right? Are there better patterns to use for sweaters, different tools to use than for wool? How best to block or not block and anything else I'm not asking. So this is our episode all about cotton. Which we had to do some homework for. <laughs> yes, so I am not surprising Jessica with this letter, but we had to learn about cotton because we are primarily wool knitters ourselves. And so are our customers, by and large. We have cotton in our shop, but not a lot of it. And I would say it's not our fastest moving or most popular yarn. No. Because we are a sweater knitting people <laughs> and it is cold here. And even for our customers, like our knitters that are not local to us, it's still not like at the top of the list probably because we don't have a ton of it. Right. I was going to say that's totally self-fulfilling because, right. yeah. It's the vicious cycle of it not being seasonally appropriate for most of the year where we are geographically. Right. So we did some homework and we have all sorts of interesting things to tell you about cotton. So what are the different kinds of cotton? We all know that there's like a bunch of different kinds of wool. Cotton or plants? Absolutely. So sometimes you'll hear fiber talked about in like broad umbrella terms like wool and other animal fibers are protein and plant fibers like cotton or linen or hemp are cellulose <laughs> and then there are a bunch of other categories too that are either synthetics or adjacent to cellulose but cotton is plant fiber and much like sheep there are lots of different types of cotton plants i am not a plant lady so I don't know if you call that like varieties or breeds or something when you're talking about plants and not animals, but there are different types that create different types of fiber. So the actual fiber coming from a cotton plant, like the fluffy white stuff that comes out of the pod that we've all seen on the cotton logo, like our whole lives, can vary in softness and fiber length. And as a knitter, generally, that information is not available to you on the ball band of the yarn that you are purchasing. 
Like if you were getting some dishcloth cotton, you don't know what kind of cotton that is. It's just cotton. Right. Mm -hmm. So I see like Egyptian cotton if I go buy like bed sheets or something. Yes. Yeah. Egyptian cotton is an actual type, breed, species of cotton plant. It's a term that you will see identifying that type of cotton most often in textiles. So like bed sheets or like if you're buying cotton to sew something, you might see Egyptian cotton on the label. It's very soft and it's a long staple fiber. Another long staple variety of cotton that you may see on a knitting ball band is Pima. It's very soft. It's mostly grown in Peru and the American Southwest. Like in Arizona, there are Pima cotton farms. But beyond that, you're not going to get a whole lot of like very specific information about what type of cotton. So we used to carry some Pima cotton from Barocco. Mm -hmm. And it didn't actually say on the ball band, like in the information about the yarn part of the ball band. It didn't say anything about Pima cotton. The name of the base was just Pima cotton. Right. So I feel like this is going to sound like a really silly thing to say because it was literally the biggest words on the ball band. (laughs) There may be secret clues, even if it isn't in the same place that you would expect. Like if it was a Rambouillet Targi blend, you know, you would expect to see that next to like the gauge. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the case in the case of cotton. Right. Subtle clues. (laughs) Giant letters (laughs) on your paper label. (laughs) Okay, what about like mercerized cotton, which you see a lot on thinner cotton that's used for like fine crochet? Right. You'll see it on that. And also you might be most familiar with it from embroidery floss too. You can get mercerized cotton. And that is cotton that is very shiny. Not knowing anything about the technique, you'll identify it as that's the shiny cotton. But the reason it's shiny is because it's been chemically processed. And what that process does is reduce shrinkage of the fiber. It just is what it is now. It increases the dye saturation. So you'll find really intensely dyed yarns that are mercerized because the fibers are able to just soak it all up and retain it. And then that characteristic sheen. And you'll find some knitting cotton that's mercerized, but not all of it is by any stretch of the imagination. You know who else uses mercerized cotton is weavers. Oh. And I don't know if it's because it like holds the shape really well if you want to use it for warping your loom, or I'm a very, very like novice level weaver. Maybe it's just because it's shiny and beautiful. Yeah. Maybe a little of both. (laughs) Right. If you're a weaver, you can tell us. All right. And the other thing is organic cotton, right? What's that? So let's talk about organic cotton versus conventionally grown cotton, because there is a difference. And there are things that you may want to know about. We hear people ask us specifically for organic cotton in the shop when they're knitting things for babies, because people love to protect baby babies specifically. But reasons for looking for organic goes beyond nice things for babies. Well, not just nice. I would say that a baby, more so than the average recipient of your knitted gift, is more likely to try to consume it with their mouth. Yeah, you probably don't spend a lot of time putting your hand knits <laughs> in your mouth. Whereas if you were a baby, <laughs> you would. That's so One of your two or three ways of interacting with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So conventionally grown cotton has a lot of negative impact on the environment, and that includes the people and animals that exist in the environment. Conventionally grown cotton uses 11 times more water than organically grown cotton does, which is substantial. That's a ton of water. Huge amounts of water. And also, more than 25% of the pesticides used in global agriculture are used for conventionally grown cotton, which is an appalling percentage. So the pesticide problems are real, and it's mostly being used for textile production. Organic cotton farmers are going to have like non-pesticide ways to keep bugs out of your fiber. And actually, organic farmers use beneficial bugs to help, I guess, make the plants healthy and protect their crops. So there's some fine-tuned agricultural science happening here where they know what they need to be introducing to the environment. And I am not a botanist or a farmer. So I don't have, <laughs> I didn't get like real nitty-gritty into this for everyone, but no pesticides in organic cotton, which is a big thumbs up for everyone. I also discovered that organically grown cotton produces 46% less CO2 than conventionally grown cotton does. Oh, wow. Well, and like probably bad for the actual individuals who are working with that fiber too, right? To be in that close contact. I had to wind cotton for somebody the other day. There was so much fluff on my body after I wound the nine skeins of <laughs> cotton. It was so much fluff. There's just no way to interact with fiber in any kind of production capacity without interacting with fiber in like a respiratory capacity and also a skin contact capacity and all of that other stuff. So I would imagine everybody who's interacting with this organically grown fiber is happier and healthier. Absolutely. There are lots of health and safety issues for farm workers kind of across the board, but the conventionally grown cotton workers are in like kind of a unique situation because of the concentration of pesticides that are used. It's just not equivalent in like food production, for example. Right. And on large scale farming, cotton is harvested mechanically, but people still need to be interacting with that fiber. And on smaller farms, there are field workers who are harvesting by hand still, depending on where you are geographically. So that's an important thing to consider. Again, cotton not meant to be put in the mouth. So right. <laughs> get it together, babies. Stop trying to eat your blankets. <laughs> yeah. Masks for everyone all the time, no matter what you're doing. That's right. There's also a lot of problems with heavy metals used in processing conventionally farmed cotton. And also the term that I came across a lot was heavy chemicals, which I appreciated because clearly everything is chemically composed, right? right? So water say, is a chemical. Right, yeah. <laughs> like there's chemicals in this is like false flag if you're not being clear about what you're referring to. But chemicals like formaldehyde are used in the production and processing of conventionally grown cotton. So organic whenever you can for something that is constantly in such close contact with your person, with your human body. Another thing that I think is good to know, if you're looking at fair trade certifications, 65% of fair trade cotton production is also organic. So if you're trying to identify, it's not always easy to find that information. But if you see something stamped as like fair trade, 
there's a good chance that it's probably organic as well. You might have to dig a little bit to get that information, but it might be out there. I think I have also heard that using heavy chemicals, heavy metals in the production of cotton over time leads the fibers to be weaker in the long run also. Yes. So your organic cotton thing that's going to cost you more to get the materials for is also going to last you longer. That's absolutely true. Yep, all of the chemical processing and chemical production is not great for the fiber. I think that it probably yields higher crop volume initially, but the durability of those products are like in the tank. So now that we know a little bit about how cotton is produced or the benefits, I should say, of looking for organic cotton, let's talk about cotton specifically for knitters. Right. Also crocheters. We're talking yarn here, friends. (laughs) (laughs) What are the benefits of cotton in general? Yeah. So Maxine, you asked for the good, the bad, the delightful. We're going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there's a little bit of all of this going on here. (laughs) So cotton's really soft, which is nice. Like probably a significant percentage of the clothing in your closet has cotton in it because it's great against your skin. It breathes well, which makes it nice for wearing in warm weather, and it's just super comfortable. So cotton is a nice fiber. We like it. It's strong, durable, and it's kind of easy to care for, which is great. That's why people use it a lot for baby knits, because babies are going to... They're not just putting things in their mouth, friends. Right. I was trying trying to think of a not gross way to say that. There are surprise things that happen with babies all the time, and you need to be able to just throw that blanket, usually it's a blanket, in the washing machine. Mm -hmm. You do. You just need that. Constant laundry. I have, like, laundry PTSD from (laughs) all of the years of babying. (laughs) So much laundry. But machine washing your cotton is fine, and over time, your fiber gets softer, which is really nice. Another thing that's great about cotton hand knits is that they don't pill. Particularly if you're dealing with like higher twist fibers, just like wool, but like cotton is durable and it's going to stay yarn strands and not become kind of funky and matted. So because it doesn't really pill and it's not really very stretchy, the stitch definition's really good. Yes, it is great for textured knits. Another really good thing about it is that it can be procured very cheaply. It's available in a really wide variety of price points. So we've talked about this before, and as the end users of consumable goods, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make good and ethical choices. Mm -hmm. And yes, if you can, that is a great thing to do. But if, for example, buying organic cotton is going to price you out of creating a project, buy whatever you can afford. Like, don't deny yourself the ability to do things because On a global scale, a corporation is making a different choice. Right. The responsibility is not all in your lap. Right. So variety of price points, organic options, not organic options. Everybody's doing their best. Make the thing. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) What about the downsides? Okay. So recently in our sock episode, we talked about wool and its insulating properties, wool helps to keep you dry. Cotton is not going to do that unless there's the opportunity for moisture to be evaporating out of the fiber. So if it's really humid, just like your body has trouble regulating its temperature, 
It's been super humid here in New Hampshire lately, and everyone is struggling. Wet cotton against your skin isn't going to have the opportunity to dry, so it's just going to keep you wet. So if you have sweaty socks that are made out of cotton, your feet are going to be miserable because there is no way to protect your skin from the moisture. Cotton doesn't really have the same insulating properties as wool and really any protein-based fibers, so it's not going to be able to keep you warm in the same way. This is why you don't want to wear like a cotton t-shirt if you're going to hike a mountain and camp overnight Mm -hmm. because you're going to get sweaty, it's going to get wet. And then you're going to spend all night after the temperature drops with it evaporating and like freezing your body. This is why they're like, no, go get like a smart wool thing or whatever. Right. Knit knit yourself a hiking shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Or like we see this too when people are like, I'm going to knit a hat for my niece and she lives somewhere cold and I want it to be really soft for her in the winter. And we're like, okay, but you also want it to be warm. So maybe not the cotton maybe a cotton blend or a superwash wool or something if you need it to be easily laundered. Right. Generally speaking, because of its lack of elasticity, cotton is not great for something like a hat anyway, because that hat needs to be elastic. It's not the ideal fiber for cables or color work. Bringing in a blend would be really great. Ribbing isn't going to be enough to like make the hat be able to stretch to get onto your head and then also contract to actually stay on your head in a comfortable way. It's going to be pressing on your skull or falling off your head. Right. Yeah, I think that for people who primarily work with wool, you think about fiber stretching, and then you think about it snapping back. And cotton stretches, but it's not elastic. It has no memory. So it can't hug you, and (laughs) (laughs) and that's what you need from things that need to fit your body. It's okay if it can't hug you, you can hug it. (laughs) (laughs) Now I feel sad. (laughs) Oh, don't be sad. You can still enjoy your cotton knits. You just can't keep your socks up if they're only cotton. (laughs) Right. It can also be kind of rough on your hands just to work with. It can be a little drying because there's no lanolin in cotton. So I have the same problems knitting with cotton that I do with silk because neither of them are elastic. I just feel like my personal knitting tension makes my joints ache Oh, because there's no give in the fiber. Like it hurts my hands to knit with non-elastic fiber. (laughs) So that's one of the times non-stretchy fiber and big, big needles. I have to like mix things up because my hands are just not happy if there's a lot of knitting to be done. Cotton can also stretch and lose shape over time, particularly when it's wet. Yeah. Which is totally fine if it's something like a blanket or a big comfy t-shirt or kind of a boxy tank top or something like that. But again, if you knit yourself like a hat, right, and then you wear it out in the snow and then it gets even a little bit looser and just kind of falls off your head, you're going to be mad. It's not going to hug you anymore. No. (laughs) All right. What about the ugly? Okay. Here we go, friends. Cotton is safe from wool's biggest enemy. Moths? Ah! (laughs) Moths, yes. So scary. You don't have to worry about that with cotton, so that's good. But cotton has its own big, scary, capital letter M enemy. Two of them, actually. 
and that's mold and mildew. No! Ah! (laughs) And this had never occurred to me, really, until I started researching for this episode. But hand-knit items that have been put away, like in your drawer or in your closet, that are not completely dry are at great risk of mold and mildew. (laughs) Oh no! That's horrible. (laughs) So have you ever done a load of laundry and then left your load of laundry in the washing machine and two days later you're like, where is that t-shirt? Right. And then you go, oh no. And you look in the washing machine and you wish you would not open the lid (laughs) because now that whole load of laundry is mildewy and you have to do it all over. That happens with damp cotton hand knits and probably damp cotton anything really, but like there is a lot more emotional devastation tied to it when you have made it with your two human hands. And also it's problematic if you have like stored away your very dry cotton things in a highly humid area. And I don't just mean like we're having a heat wave and it's humid this week, but you put your clothes away for the winter in your damp basement or something, and you think it's in a container that's appropriate to putting it away, but it's not really sealed, you're going to open that up in May or whenever the weather turns where you are and be really upset if you have mold and mildew damage to those cotton hand knits. It wasn't a hand knit, but there was one time I had packed my like holiday decorations away in a box and I put them in my attic, and my holiday decorations included a snow globe. Uh huh. And the, I don't know, some combination of the heat and or cold in that attic broke the glass on the snow globe. And I had moldy stockings in that box when I opened it up the next year. I was, I was upset. It was a very unpleasant, I was upset. Yeah, that's yuck. Yeah. That's yuck and that's sad. Don't pack your cotton with a snow globe. I feel like that's probably safe unless you're like moving or something. People make funny choices when they're moving. Yeah. Everything is (laughs) frantically wrapped and tucked away. Everything's fair game and moving. Mm -hmm. So be careful of those things. Watch your humidity and make sure things are dry. Speaking of drying, Mm -hmm. what about blocking? Ah, you can block cotton, but you don't have to block cotton. So cotton is totally appropriate to either wet blocking or steam blocking when you finish something like a shawl or a top, like anything that you're going to block, you can block it. But if you are wet blocking your cotton, please, please, please don't just scoop up your soaking wet shawl out of the bowl and let it like hang and pour out of your hands because it's going to stretch the fiber. Cotton becomes very heavy when it's wet and you're going to be really sad about your stitch definition after all of the work you put into your project if you stretch it out while it's wet. Wait, but if you put it in the dryer, doesn't it shrink? No. Fake? Fake. Huh. Common misconception. So your cotton hand knits are going to stretch with wear and use. And say you've knit yourself cotton t-shirt. You can wash it in the washing machine. You can put it in the dryer. And sometimes our initial impression is that it has shrunk some. But really, it's not shrinking. It's those fibers trying to pull back into the shape that they were originally in, it shouldn't go from like fitting you well to like being three sizes too small. And as you wear it, they're going to stretch and relax again 
to their initial extended shape because cotton wants to stretch out. Huh. Cool. Yeah. It was a little surprising to me. But then I thought, you know what? Like all of my ready-to-wear cotton clothing definitely gets laundered and washed and thrown in the dryer at high temperatures. And my t-shirts just always fit how they fit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And because things are hand-knit and you want to be careful with them and extend the life, you know, probably low heat is gentler on your fiber, like under any circumstances, than a blasting high heat dryer. If you decide not to machine dry your stuff, that's perfectly fine and even gentler. Don't hang it, though, unless you want to stretch it out. Right. Lay it flat to dry somewhere that it's going to dry completely. So you can put it in the washing machine. You can Mm -hmm. put it in the dryer. Can you iron it? Yes, but why? (laughs) I mean, you can. It's a fiber that you can iron. And I guess maybe if you wanted to like steam block with your iron instead of little laundry steamers, you can use your iron. But like if you're just iron your clothes people, that's fine. You can definitely do that. And you could also put it out like in the sun or you can be kind of rough on cotton. Yeah. And if you encounter the dreaded M&Ms, the enemies of cotton, mold and mildew, You can bleach it if you need to to get that out. Use color-safe bleach, but that's a way to kill the mold and mildew in your fiber. And sun is also a good way to do that. Like if you've ever been a cloth diapering person, you know that the sun will bleach out all sorts of unforgivable stains. So that's a good thing. Just be careful if you are concerned about the color fastness of your particular cotton. So what are your tips for working with cotton for somebody who wants to try it? Cotton is lovely. There's lots of things to know about it, but I encourage you to try it if you're interested. If you're finding that it's hard on your hands, take a break. Listen to your body. If you have crampy hands, don't keep powering through. Maybe stop for a while or alternate projects. Like this is a good opportunity to pull out your six-year-long sock and knit a couple rows on that instead (laughs) to let your hands do something different. I also strongly encourage you to swatch. I tell you that all the time, but I super mean it with cotton because it's the only way you're going to know if the particular cotton you've selected is a good match for the project that you want to knit. So don't decide to knit a whole sweater in dishcloth cotton and then decide, wow, that was not what I was going for. Because there's no amount of putting it in a bowl of soak to change like the basic composition of the yarn. Soak conditions your fiber, but it's not going to make you love a yarn that you really shouldn't have used for a particular project. Here's another tip. If you're working on a project that will take more than one skein of yarn, try to add in new skeins at the end of a row. Like if it's a flat piece at the end of a row or if it's knit in the round somewhere kind of invisible, like say an armpit or on the backside of something, if that's a possibility. You don't really have that option with like a hat or something. But cotton can't be spit spliced to be joined. And it tends to be a bulkier fiber, like more dense than a lot of wools are. And you want to make that join of skeins as invisible as you can. Also, Some people find that knitting with cotton yarn can be a little splitty. The fibers are easy to kind of poke through with your needle. 
And it's helpful sometimes to try knitting with different materials. So if you usually knit with metal needles, maybe try bamboo or wood to see if that gives you a better knitting experience with that particular yarn. Right. Metal needles plus cotton yarn is really slippery. Mm -hmm. It just is. So the slight grabbiness of wood might be your friend. It might also, if you are like a confident, go for it, full speed ahead person, you could fly like the wind with the combination of cotton and metal. Totally a your style of knitting kind of thing. So experiment. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> Gonna go fast. Can I tell you a hold on to your hat story? You know this story. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do. So once I fell. <laughs> Okay, first of all, <laughs> not once. Okay, so also, many times in my life, but also, one hold time. On, hold on. <laughs> this was like eight months ago. She's going to make this sound like it was in the distant <laughs> past. It is not. We were doing this podcast at this time. I just didn't tell you all. <laughs> so we were bringing a tree to our house for the holidays, not yes. for planting. Not like, for like unrelated yeah. tree reason. Mm -hmm. And I was carrying the tree. And it had snowed and it was wet, <laughs> kind of slippery. And as I was walking to the house with this tree bailed up and tucked under my arm, my feet slid out from under me and I slid and fell to the ground so fast, I fell out of my hat. <laughs> and it was a wool hat and it had ribbing and it hugged my head perfectly fine, but gravity was so powerful. <laughs> I flew to the ground and like felt my hat leave my head. <laughs> it was still in the air and then it landed somewhere other than where I did. It was amazing. She also didn't drop the tree, which is definitely 100% I would have just been like. <laughs> hey, I was doing important work. <laughs> I hugged that tree hard and we hit the ground together. <laughs> that was a good tree. I'm glad you didn't just yeet it off the side of the hill. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tried. I did what I could. <laughs> so anyways, sometimes you can't even stay in your hat if it's full. <laughs> so Karen, what's on your needles? <laughs> I'm still working on my Gresham wrap. It has been so humid, so humid that my Gresham wrap has come to sit beside me on the couch. And then I would just kind of touch it and go, mm, not nope. today. Yeah, too <laughs> sticky. I picked up a humidity monitor for my plants in this last week and I had to charge it. And so it was just like in the house. And when I was done charging it, it said it was like 89% humidity in our house. And yeah. I was like, this is not okay. It's been not my favorite weather week. It would probably mold up some cotton. Ugh, yuck, <laughs> yuck. Yeah, so it's been my like emotional support, sit beside me, little yarn pet, and not so much actual knitting, but I'm still working on my Gresham wrap. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jessica? What's on your needles? The yarn I don't want to touch. Very much the <laughs> same. So I'm still knitting away like a stitch or two a day on my sweater because touching my sweater is yuck. <laughs> but when the humidity drops in a couple of days, I will be like full steam ahead. Maybe I'll have a more interesting update by the end of the month. We'll see. It does feel like a little bit of a milestone today. I am actually wearing a wool sweater for the first time since it got super humid. Like I think things are headed back to functional territory. Yes, please. Ready for fall. 
So we already did our letter. Mm -hmm. Let's do a knit along update. Yes. So today is August 24th, which feels super fake, but here we all are. Very fake. And that means there is exactly one week left until August 31st, which is the end of our summer knit along. So I don't know. Can you crank out another project in a week? Some of you can. <laughs> Definitely, yes. <laughs> Some of you maybe will use that week to button up your first project. Some of you might use that week to think about new yarn. I don't know what you're doing, but I will know if you post to Instagram and use our knit along hashtag, make good made along. We are still watching and posting and cheering you on and clicking little hearts and loving your projects. Next week, we will announce the winner of the knit along, the winner. The lucky person who gets the gift card to scratch will announce that on Instagram. So keep an eye on your DMs because we will also send you a message and that's where we will send you the code so you can get yourself something nice. I think that might be it for us this week. I feel like that was a lot. (laughs) We learned so many things about cotton. Thanks for asking us, Maxine. Yes. You all can ask us if you want us to talk about specific things, too. That's right. You can send us an email at dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. By now, we hope you're all subscribed, but tell your friends that they can find us on all of the podcast platforms where you find your podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Rate and review us because it helps other knitters find us, too. And we love you all and we want to talk to more of you. If you want to see what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, too. That's where we do all of the knit-along magic every week. And we're at MakeGoodPod. We will talk to you next week. We have all sorts of surprise, exciting news. Yay. Bye. Bye.